Very good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas to you all. You can do a little bit better. Merry Christmas to you all. Wonderful, wonderful. My name's Alex, in case I haven't met you before. Uh, You know, one of my favourite Christmas stories is about a boy who was on one of those campaigns that children often are against their parents uh, to get the Christmas gift that they absolutely want. I think in this boy's case, it was a particular computer game. Anyway, he was mounting this campaign and wearing his poor mother down until, in a moment of desperation, the mother said to her son, "Uh, why don't you go to your room and write Jesus a letter and tell him why you deserve this present. Now, obviously, she had mistaken uh, Jesus for Santa, which is not too uncommon. Uh, So the boy goes to his room, uh, he gets out a piece of paper and a pen and begins to write a letter. Dear Jesus, I have been a good boy all year. Now, he pauses, uh, he reflects, uh, he's realistic enough and he knows Jesus is realistic enough. So he screws up the piece of paper, throws it away and begins another letter. Dear Jesus, I have been a good boy for six months. (laughs) Now, he pauses and then reflects and thinks for a little while and then he leaves his bedroom, walks to the lounge room and then goes over to the mantelpiece, the shelf, where there is a little nativity scene, you know, the statues of of Mary and Joseph and the animals and, and the baby Jesus. And very, very respectfully, he picks up Mary and he walks back to his room. And he opens up his bottom drawer and lifts up a few t-shirts and then very gently places Mary under one of the t-shirts, closes the door, closes the drawer, goes back to his desk, begins writing a new letter. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) Now, that's a fascinating way of trying to relate to God, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure we can find more sophisticated ways of relating to God than treating God like we're a terrorist. But um, it raises for us that very important question, if there is a God, how, how do you relate to Him? Now, we're in the season of Advent. Christmas is tomorrow, and Advent is traditionally seen as a time of anticipation and waiting. And, and most of us, we anticipate, we wait for certain things at Christmas. Maybe like that boy, you're waiting for a particular gift. Or you might be waiting for that long-delayed get-together with your family after so many years. Or, or you might be waiting just for some time off, for some holidays. Advent is a time of waiting. And, and the waiting that comes with Advent is fun because we know that waiting is finite. It has a due date. And we know that what's coming at the end of our wait will be good. We know that waiting will come to an end at Christmas. But much of the other waiting that we experience in life seems open-ended. We don't exactly know when what we hope for will actually come. You might be waiting for the right job and not sure if you'll get it. Uh, You're waiting for love and marriage without knowing when or if it'll come. Waiting for children without knowing whether you will conceive. Waiting for justice. Waiting for healing. And the hardest thing about waiting is not knowing when it's going to end, or even if it's going to end. Uh, This year at St Andrews, our Christmas theme is Christmas Playlist. We're looking at our favourite Christmas carols, those songs which communicate ancient truths about real people in a real place responding to the birth of a son, of a child. And one of the most famous carols is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. 
And uh, apparently this carol, well, it's been around a long time, since the 12th century, and it's a carol that is about waiting, anticipating. It's a carol where you have this sense of urgency because we ask not just once but twice, O come, O come, Emmanuel. There is this heart longing at the centre of this carol. And the incredible claim of this carol, indeed the incredible claim of Christmas, is that the child born at that first Christmas is the answer to all our longings. It's what your heart, it's what my heart has been waiting for our entire lives. And so as we think about that opening question, you know, how do we relate to God? Well, the answer can be seen in how we relate to this child. Is he the one that your heart is waiting for? And so as we look at this carol and think about this child, we're going to think about two things. He is the God who is amongst us and the God who saves us. Uh, the carol begins with that line, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And in fact, that name appears all the way through that carol. And we see that name, we saw that name at that gospel reading from Matthew that we heard earlier. Mary had been pledged to be married to Joseph and then she's told by an angel that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son. Now, modern people have trouble uh, believing in the supernatural, you know, things like angelic appearances and virgin births, but Joseph had trouble believing in these things too and so he planned to end the relationship quietly, probably assuming that Mary had been messing around behind his back. But then the angel appears to him and confirms Mary's story and Matthew, the gospel writer, provides us with this observation. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, for centuries, the Jewish religious leaders knew about this prophecy from Isaiah, but they never thought that you should take this prophecy literally, that God would turn up in person, but rather God would work through a leader, whose work, through whose work God would be present. In fact, the Jewish people were the last people on earth to ever think that the divine could become human. The ancient Greeks, the Romans, they believed that was possible, but not the Jews. But as this child grows up, he makes all sorts of astonishing claims about himself. All the way through the Gospels, Jesus says things like, I forgive you your sins. He forgives sins where only God should do that. And he, he, he claims in various places, I'm going to come back to judge the earth and only God can do that. And he claimed to have mutual, equal knowledge with God the Father. And at one point, Jesus actually says, before Abraham was born... I am. He, he, he's in this way taking on the divine name upon himself. And then there are all the claims about his miracles, that he walked on water, fed the multitudes, healed the sick, raised the dead. And these claims of miracles are supposed to point to his identity that he is God come in person. Uh, I remember many Christmases ago, I played a game of hide-and-seek with my niece. I think she was about three or four at the time. She asked me if I could play hide-and-seek. And because 
you know, I've played enough games with young children to know that you've got to get the rules straight from the beginning because you are, if you ask for a ruling halfway through the game, it's not going to go well for you. So I asked her what the rules for this game were and, and, and she explained to me, I'm going to hide and you're going to count to 20 and then once you finish counting, you come and find me. I said, brilliant, let's do it. And so I'd started counting and when I'd finished, I said, are you ready? And I heard a delighted giggle from behind the curtain, yes! Now, she had to figure out that when you're hiding, uh, you make sure that you don't draw attention to yourself. You do nothing to let people know that you are there. But at that first Christmas, God does everything to tell everyone He is there. He announces His arrival a long time in advance. When he is born, the birth is announced by angels. And then all during his earthly ministry, Jesus says things and does things that only God says and does. It's like God is saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. This is an incredible claim that God is amongst us. You know, every founder of other world religions say, I have come to give you information about God. But Christianity is different. Jesus doesn't just say, I've come to give you information about God or about the afterlife. I am God himself who's come in person to you. Now, it's important for us to think about the implications of this for a moment. Because I think if these implications are true, then it means at least two quick things. First of all, it means conviction. Do you think it is true? Do you think the creator of the universe came into the world as a vulnerable baby? Because if you think it is not true, then Christianity is a waste of your time. And Jesus is a waste of your time because he is a fraud. In claiming to be the Son of God, he has deliberately lied and deceived millions of people. But if you do think it is true, then you've got to center your life on him. If God has come to us in person, then you can't negotiate with him. That means you're not treating him as God. If you believe he is God who's come in person, then you need to say to him, Jesus, command me, I'm yours. If God has come in person, then it means conviction, but then secondly, it means comfort. Because it means that God has entered into our mess. He has come into our mess, into our world as a baby, vulnerable, experiencing all the things that you and I experience. Thirst, hunger, pain, frustration, tiredness, hurt, suffering, grief, death. He experiences everything that we did because he went on that road of suffering long before we did. And then we ask ourselves why. Why did he put himself through all that? Why did he leave all his glory for that? It's because he thought you were worth it. That's comfort in knowing that God is with us through everything. The carol tells us that God is Emmanuel, He is with us, but then secondly, that He is God who saves us. Uh, That sense of anticipation, the, the, the urgency that we get through this carol has a reason. Every stanza begins with that request, O come, and then gives us a reason why. O come, O come, Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Captive Israel, lonely exile, I mean, what, what, what does that mean? Well, in fact, there are lots of strange phrases in this carol. O come, thou rod of Jesse free. 
O come, thou dayspring from on high, O come, thou key of David, come. Now, these phrases are unfamiliar with us, but they were very familiar for the Israelites. All the way through the Old Testament, God had promised them that He would save them, that He would rescue them from captivity in Egypt, that He would deliver them from exile in Babylon, that He would send a rescuer, this mysterious figure, this servant, this Messiah, a king, in the line of Jesse, one of the descendants of King David. And God's people had been looking forward to these promises coming true for centuries. But did you notice this carol is talking more than mere physical captivity? It speaks of something that's actually far worse. When we sing this carol... We're asking for freedom from Satan's tyranny, for from the depths of hell, from, from, from the curse of the grave, from the power of the grave. In other words, this carol is asking for freedom, for rescue from our greatest enemy, death and eternal separation from God. And there is something that this child, Emmanuel, will do to save us from these enemies. You know, the angel told Joseph about one other name for this child. The angel said to Joseph that Mary will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know, if you're here and you're not a Christian, the Bible tells us that our biggest problem is sin. Now, sin doesn't mean you're a terrible person or a criminal and sin is not merely making an error or breaking a religious rule or doing something shameful. You know, the Christmas story that most people are more familiar with is the one about a big, jolly red guy who gives out gifts. Santa, who keeps a list of who's naughty and who's nice, and the gifts are those people who are nice. And we often think that relating to God is a lot like relating to Santa. We keep God happy the same way we keep Santa happy. We, we just make sure that you're less naughty and more nice. But the Bible says that sin is not about making sure that your good outweighs your bad. Sin is our inclination to push God to the sidelines of our lives and the desire that's deep within us to prioritise other things instead of God's. And the consequences of that sin is eternal separation from God. It's not just a physical death, it's an eternal spiritual death. That's why this carol is steeped in this sense of anticipation and urgency. When we sing this carol, we recognize our most urgent need and we're asking God to meet that need. We need Him to meet that need because we ourselves can't deal with our own brokenness. But He can. This child in a manger becomes a man on the cross. He took upon Himself our sin and our brokenness. That's why He's able to forgive and offer mercy and grace and eternal life. That's how this child named Emmanuel, God with us, is also Jesus, Yeshua. That name which means God saves us. This is the incredible gift of infinite cost that has no expiry date. This is the gift of Christmas that we most preciously need. Therefore, can you see why this carol is filled with such joy? At the end of every stanza, there's this knowledge that this waiting and anticipation will be rewarded with fulfillment. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. 
he shall come to thee, O Israel. And so it'll be for us. Waiting will be rewarded with fulfilment. You know, this child that was born at that first Christmas will one day return, but not as a baby in a manger, instead as a magnificent king on a throne who will do away with all that is broken in this world, pain and hurt, sin and suffering and death, where he will do away with everything that is wrong in this world and wrong about us and make things all right. So... What is it that you are waiting for at the moment? You know, the right job, the right relationship, your reputation to be just right. Are you waiting for justice? Are you waiting for healing? This life is not your only shot at happiness. If you follow Jesus and take him into your heart, then this life is only a precursor of the enormous, expansive, endless life to come with pleasures overflowing, where in the presence of Jesus, we will not regret anything that we have given up in this life. And so this Christmas, once again, there's the invitation to take Jesus into your heart, to say to him, O come, O come, Emmanuel. He has given everything for you, so we give our everything to him. Amen.